Hello and welcome to the Debug Log number 37. Uh, I'm recording this now while I'm on my vacation looking out at the beach. I just wanted to put that in there to make all the rest of the debug guys jealous. All right, I'm done now. <laughs> Anyways, tonight we're talking about scope. More specifically, being strategic about the scope of your game. And now, usually when you hear the scope, when you, you hear somebody give you the advice that you need to think about your scope, that feels like it's a pejorative. It feels like it's a negative thing, or that you're taking something out of a game design that is perfect already. And we're not talking about that. What we want to do is think about that stuff ahead of time. Think about the limitations, the time frame, the money, whatever it is, ahead of time, and then figuring out the right set of creative limitations where you can make the most effective game within the box that you have. So it's about thinking about that ahead of time and making the game you want to make from the beginning. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 37. Ah, oh, cat, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one second. Break this fucking bottle, no, man. Listen to the Debug Log, blah, 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 blah. Playing cards with my sister's kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know where that's from, Ryan? Yeah, it's uh, from Tombstone, yeah. Oh, no, I'm just going to pause for two minutes. <laughs> there you go. You didn't start uh, Zencast yet? Oh, you have. My bad. Yeah, it started. I'm recording all, all the testing, horrible things testing. you said about him while he was gone. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Opar. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo Castillo-Fernandez. And tonight, we're going to talk all about scope. Before you run away, I know that sounds boring. It's not boring. A scope is something we've mentioned uh, tangentially in the show before when we talk about game design documents, we talk about prototypes and... Even your motivation episode, Obina, when I was making the outline for this, I was like, this is a lot of stuff about motivation where we talked about scoping the design down. But tonight I want to approach it from a different angle because I want to see, instead of, sometimes when people think of scope, they think of, like, I have my perfect game idea in my head. And I, you know, it's an MMORPG, action shooter, adventure, point and click, whatever it is. Puzzler. Yeah, puzzler, <laughs> tilt, <laughs> VR, motion control game. And they're like, well, scope VR means I just... Yeah. Like, scope means I just have to take shit out of my game. Is that what you're saying? Because when you give that advice to new developers or people that are, you know, they ask you for advice or, you know, if they don't ask you for advice. When you say that, they're like, well, it means I have to take... It gets interpreted as a negative thing. And I wanted to approach this or get people on board with this scope idea from the beginning so the scope can become a part of the game design process. So it's not only about just, and that's the strategic part of this title, it's not just about taking stuff out of your perfect vision. It's about accepting your limitations and finding uh, you know, a perfect creative match within those limitations and making the best game. So you're just as excited about making this game as the, the one you'd have unlimited funds on, like Ryan says. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to start off with, let's just define scope in uh, game development. When you guys want to take that? 
Brian? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll take it. I usually take it from the technological end, but I mean, you know, scope to me is, is definitely has to do a lot with like feature set. Like, what are you trying to like create to like accomplish your goals? And the scope's also those goals as well. I mean, it it, it gets kind of iffy because it starts bleeding into all these areas, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, there's just all all sorts of uh, different things like technology or story or you know gameplay or something like that that could you know affect your scope or you're scoping out each one of those individual things. And I guess it's just like you know, to me, the state or like sort of the in game you want for your your game. So yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah, that's the the definition I usually have in my head when I think about scope is. More so, like just the vision of your game. What's your what you see the game being? Um, whereas when you when at least when I at least for me when I start looking at it as like a, a feature set, that's when it really starts to balloon and get out of control. Is like I start adding all of these features that could possibly contribute to you know what my game could be. Um, whereas you know like what I what I what's the end goal for me for this game is what what I consider scope. So yeah, yeah. I think this is really important because even after. Uh, you're in the middle of the game or finishing it. You have a new uh, idea for a new feature. And you're like, oh, okay, let me include it. It's like, no, stop. And just <laughs> just release it. It's feature creep. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. That's a, that's a big topic in software development. And like you said, Ryan, the, the I, I wrote down the four key categories from The Art of Game Design, which is an awesome book, you guys. I think we could do like 8,000 topics from that book. But he defines in that book just helpful categories for game development into mechanics, story, aesthetics, and technology. And those are pretty nice, broad categories to say in each of those areas. And I want to start it here because we'll come back to that at the end and the, and the helpful methods of best practices to help you analyze the scope of your different projects. But those are kind of four different nice views to see where the game can balloon or where it can become an issue for that. And so, and again, from the, what I want to say too, when we, as we start talking about this, because I think we mentioned this on the show, or maybe I was talking to Dorota today, and I don't know if we actually say this on recording, but when we give advice a lot of the times, because it's, it's very relative to um, helping people out, because again, games, you can make any types of games, and we've gotten into uh, the goals of whatever your game dev project is before, and we're like... You know, sometimes we, Eduardo and I got in arguments like, Eduardo, they should make money. And I'm like, I don't think it's necessarily about making money either. So, again, there it can be anything. You could be making it for fun. You could be making it, you know, as a part of your job. You can be making it, you know, you want to start an indie company and you want to make some money, but you also artistically want to stay true to yourself. Our main goal and all the, the advice we give in the show, and I think this might stay for most of the topics, is that we just want to help you kind of execute on your vision and your game. Whatever it is, whatever your goals are, and that's where this advice comes from. Just an idea that, uh, you know, because I think that the biggest problem with new devs and also part-time devs is that you get a <laughs> – the biggest thing that happens is you don't finish your damn game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all have done that. I have projects that I've started and finished that we talk about don't finish. I'm not going to talk about you, Abina. I think you're doing fine. I'm just whoa, so you know. whoa. We, were, we weren't even no, considering I know, me. but I know you you're like, I felt like you were sitting there thinking like I was thinking that, and I'm not. I'm using that example. You're doing fine. I'm Honestly, not saying you're thinking that. Just okay, kinda, well, I'm a little <laughs> sensitive because you keep, you keep getting on to me in all these shows about that. <laughs> but I was it's just. guilty conscious as well. But you know, yeah, yeah, maybe I feel bad. But you know that that's like, we see you get devs all the time say, I want to start a project, do that. You see them at meetups and everywhere, and they're like, and then you never hear anything about it. 
and they don't do it. And so most of these are strategies, no matter what your idea is, just get it out. And that's really what our main goal in this. Because again, like, <laughs> scope is one of those things that, yeah, in a perfect world, like, you know, I mentioned before in Ryan Yell's interview uh, episode, where you asked the question, what would you do with unlimited funds? And people have various answers. But again, anything is possible, And but you have money and time as limiting factors. You know, if you had all the time in the world, you could do a bunch of things, you had all the money, there's sliding scales. But this is about just, again, figuring out the strategic ways that you can work inside of those limitations and work inside of whatever, you know, the hand you're dealt, basically. Yeah, yeah and those are good things to def- yeah, those are good things to look out for early on because I think the sooner you do that, the sooner the other scoping mechanisms can fall into place because you know if if money is the thing, then you know that's that's probably going to affect mechanics, you know, for time to develop and the technology you choose, the story, you know, it, well maybe not st- the story so much, but um, you know, no, story too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it could. Yeah, you're well, right. The story like, can drive how much content is in the game. You know. Yeah. Right. Which, right. Yeah. Uh, what characters but, do you have? I'll, yeah. Yeah, but I, I really like the approach of this this uh, this topic in that you know this is really. Like it's not it's really how you can leverage scope to, you know, to the most of your ability or to the best of its ability to, you know, really sell your game, really get through what you want to get through in your game. So basically not just what is scope or how to, you know, what the bad parts about scope is, but how to leverage scope to your advantage so you can deliver a great game. Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's like scope centered design, basically. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We we say test driven development, but. It's the same kind of concept. So, and so basically, I guess when you're anytime you're starting any type of project, people start companies. They want to start. They want to have a mission statement, you know. And with the design of a game or a project, I always think it's a pretty good idea to have some types of core pillars, whether they're one or two or a few, not more than probably four or five, right? Of the things that define your game and make it special, make it unique, make it the things you're excited about. And an easy way to do that, I just started thinking of some questions, and I found a bunch of articles that had other questions related to this. And I think an easy way to do that is when you're talking about a game design that you have or a game design that you're thinking about is to start running through some of these questions. So I thought we could run through them. And so first, I mentioned this before, you can ask what are your individual goals with the project? Like, are you doing this to try to make the most money? Which is which means you should be making a Clash of Clans clone, I guess, or something. You know, I don't know what your goal is. I'm making some, I don't know. Yeah, actually, it, on the on the monetary one, I, I feel like I've talked to a couple of devs before in the past, and and some who have had their own like indie companies. And one of the things they've done, like say they had they they're maybe working on two projects, and one of them is this huge project that they're working on. They they're putting all of their effort in and, and a lot of their talents into and time into. And then you know halfway through that project, they're like, okay, well, you know, we really need money. You know, we need money to to really forward our 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 first project. So let's, you know, let's branch off and do a, a side project that's much smaller. Uh, you know, it's going to, we're going to be able to iterate on it really quickly and get it out really quickly. And, and that's becomes their, their, one of their goals for this project is to get money. So they just really scope down the project, really make it very small, very bite sized, And then they're able to, you know, you know, publish it and ship it and, and get it out there. So, I mean, it's just like one of those things that people do a lot is just, they, you know, they have to ask that question and say, hey, what are my goals? I need to get money. So let me build and create a project and design a game that's, you know, that's the, actually the focus is a quick and easy, you know, game to deliver. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're smart with that, you can also maybe even like pull some 
some piece of the bigger project you may want to work on. And like, maybe that's a test bed for that too. Like think, think of what you think is your strongest, like features, story point, whatever, maybe aesthetic. And then like maybe incorporate that into the smaller version that's going to try to like, you know, drive some of your funding for the bigger project. And that could also validate the idea. Quicker. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, another thing that this point has is that uh, when you're, if you have a studio, this um, goal becomes more and more important as your studio grows because uh, it's not only about you, it's about the rest of the people uh, that are working with you, your team. So if, if you're working full-time, uh, your, your house um, income probably depends on the money you make with your games. So it's not like, oh, I have all the time in the, in the world to spend in this game or, uh, you know, so... You have to really focus on on the monetary um, point of view to really uh, make good use of your resources. Actually, yeah, I think Edward, you actually brought up a really good point about on that as well. It's just as you are developing a game, or as you are living out your career as a developer or as a studio owner, your goals may shift. You know, during the time, so it may shift. Like you're just one or two people, and then your studio grows to uh, you know a lot more people or a lot more individuals in that group. So you need to shift your goals and your focus uh, maybe mid-development. So that's something to constantly be asking. Sometimes you may, may have to ask yourself these questions uh, on a regular basis to shift goals. Yeah, yeah. That, the monetary thing at a studio can also get a little scary. Uh, we've, we've, we Well, like in the past month, had like, you know, a milestone demo and everybody was very happy with what they saw. And then out of nowhere, they threw out this like really big number of expected revenue and we're like okay you know, now, like, we're supposed to be this like huge i think we're gonna be this huge breadwinner which is awesome they're letting us keep going down the path we want to go but then you're thinking like wow the studio expects that kind of money from us damn <laughs> and, and and this weird i met i guess games are a weird industry too because you have it's, it's just like the movie industry but you have art plus commerce right so it's always a balance between I mean, you need the art to make the commerce work. You need, you know, you need a unique design or unique art or whatever you're doing. But it, it sometimes it can go either way. Like the, with the monetary, just the limitation sometimes, like you said, Abina, when you have projects you're making for money, it maybe it's for contract or something, right? And you know what you need to do. They need to do this. Then you don't need to waste your time with a bunch of extra shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the point of this is to make money and we're doing what we need to do, hit the requirements, you know, do what we, we want to give it flair, whatever it is to help your, but that's the goal from that thing. Now, if you're just doing a project that's meant to be for your development, your career and your portfolio, whatever that is, like you might just make an awesome ass, you know, Unreal 4 level or something. You can't sell it, <laughs> you know, you can't do much of that stuff or you can't, this is just with projects in general or that, I mean, that's a weird case. It's not a full game, but maybe there's just a game that's more of an art piece. It's meant to show off your skills or some way. That's what the goal of it is, you know. And actually that, like doing it that way, it's an interesting way to like sort of scope yourself because if it is for that dev career, I mean, there's a lot of people that got hired on or like made decent money in the mod community. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's a bunch of success stories there. Like you said, it's, it's, you know, it's a little more than just like one level, but even some of the map makers at least gained some fame or recognition and got hired places because it was like, hey, I made these really cool levels or I made this really cool mechanic and then the community takes notice and then the companies take notice or then maybe they nowadays will like kickstart something you think up on your own. So Yeah, and, and a good thing about the, the portfolio slash 
resume building game goals is that, you know, there's a lot less stress. I mean, there can be a lot less stress, not necessarily always a lot less stress, but there can't the potential to have it be a, a less stressful situation because you're basically just driving, you, you know, your passion for maybe implementing a certain feature about the game or a certain level or drawing a certain character is just fueled by your passion and just, you know, there's no time straight, time restraints or your monetary goals you need to reach. It's just, you know, it's just for you. Um, so that that's a good thing. It's not like you even try to, to appease anybody. It's just for yourself. That's a, a good way to. Well, this is I'm kind of bringing it back to the motivational spiel, but well, no, but it, it's all tied to that too. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I think you need to because people when they start the project and you get into it and they start like I want to do this really kind of artsy thing. And because I added one to the things like the the career portfolio, but you could also be one making a game that you want to put out into the store and sell it. But you really don't care. I mean, you care about money, but you really don't care about that. You really want to try a certain thing in yeah, a certain or, way. Or you, you are really passionate about it. It's not like even though money could be your goal, you yeah, always absolutely. have to have passion about the game. Yeah. That's how you make it even better or above the yeah. average. So. And these are about these are about prior to, and these aren't necessarily about picking one of these goals necessarily too. I mean, there's obviously a little bit of everything in all these, right? Because you made a gun game to make money, you can use a portfolio. You know, it's also fun, and it's you're learning mm-hmm. stuff with that too. So there, it's more like a kind of percentage based things and prioritizing them. But they really help you when you prioritize those. They help you make decisions. So if you're like, well, I could spend two weeks doing this, or do I need to cut this? It's like, no. What's my goal? This is to make money. I can put this out now. It's fine. Right. And if that's the goal of this game, then I can work. If, like you said, it'll be in, you have another project that's your kind of art house project that you want to work on and put other time and resources into that. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's important to know where you're coming from. I mean, with your own games and especially, I guess it really does apply. You have an upcoming episode, Obina, we talked about, about contract work. It really yeah. applies to contract work. It's like you're not making a masterpiece. You're making what they want you to make and move on. <laughs> you know, because the whole point is that if you get it done, get it out. See you later. <laughs> yeah, that's the definitely the approach I took when I was doing web dev. I was like, what do you want? I'm going to do just that, and that's it. You know, yeah. I'm not really trying to spice right. anything up. It's not for myself. So. Yeah. yeah, because kinda... you're always at the risk of, oh, let me make it even better, but they don't want even better. You, they want exactly like Ex- they told yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. you can get yourself in yeah. trouble thinking you're doing good, and they're like, look, at they're going to be impressed as hell with this. And then yeah, you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You don't listen to. <laughs> what is all this window trim I don't want? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is this scrolling marquee across my website? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so once you have that kind of the matrix of you know your uh, motivation in there, of where you're coming from into going into a project. The other idea, I mean, the first thing you think of is like, what is the fundamental idea, the exciting thing, or why you want to do it? What's that spark of inspiration? Like, if it's your own idea, right? Like, what, I mean, this can come from anything from like, I want to do this shooter. I want to, it doesn't have to, this doesn't have to be anything original, really, you know? It can just be whatever floats your boat. Like, you see a puzzle game, you're like, I want to make a puzzle game with those types of graphics. That's fine. But I think sometimes the again what we're making is a mission statement that later on is going to help you make decisions to cut stuff. And if anything, in a project, wouldn't you want the main core of why you're doing that project to be the initial exciting thing that you started that project in the first place? You know, yeah. No, that yeah. way that way you can identify if the game isn't going to be boring or it's going to be fun. Like if the core of the game is entertaining, you're good. Yeah, finding that core fun loop or just like something you enjoy and can just like mess around with first, that that fundamental idea there is, you know, 
that's what you need because that's going to drive everything else. And that can be story driven too. It's like, you know, what, like what sort of ideas about like, you know, maybe even like society or sociology, you know, something you just want to explore that way, you know, and just that, well, that's an interesting thought. What if people acted like this and you could do X or Y and, right. you know, you know, it could just, it could, it could be anything. Yeah. Cause it doesn't even have to be an idea you have now. It could just be a problem you're trying to solve. Right. Like Borderlands wanted to do, I listened to a Randy Pitchford interview the other day and he's like, the, what we wanted to do was an FPS with RPG loot mechanic. That's the idea. They had no idea what else. They didn't have the right art style until right before they shit. Yeah. But they knew that's the problem. You know, that's the thing they, they wanted to solve. As long as they could get that, the other stuff they could fix and it would fall in place. And as long as, as long as everything, that's a part of this is when you get to the point where you're cutting features and trying to scope something down or thinking about what you don't need, the way you do this is you're getting the, the core fundamental idea and the core problem you're solving, and everything needs to serve that problem. And if it doesn't, it doesn't need to be there, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. so another yeah, thing... At this, point, at this point, I think uh, uh, prototypes uh, start playing a, an important role in all this um Yeah, that's part of, of the decision-making process. process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so another one you have, which it's really dependent on genre. And this might be a you know, decision point between, between different genres. Another thing that really has a lot to do with the scope of your game when you're thinking about what you can work on is how much uh, content there is versus gameplay. What's the content and the gameplay ratio in your game? You know, so instance, for instance, Testers is pure gameplay. No story, no content. It's for, you make the shapes and the, the UI and you're done. It's just the variations, that one damn song, like over and over again, right? Hey, but I like that song. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But if you're making a Final Fantasy game, you need 80 hours of content. And that's, that's a big scope issue, you know, depending on your team size. So, I mean, a lot of times that, that goes into, I mean, that goes into the idea of like working with your team and your budget and like what is your, Kind of, we talked about this before. We talked, it was on the motivation too. We brought up this is this ties nicely with your dovetails nicely with your motivation one, Avina, because it, that that involves kind of assessing either what your team size and skill is or what your budget is. You have budget, you can hire people, but if you just have a few group of friends or yourself, what's the thing that you do best? You know, if you, I I'm a really great writer and I like to do stories. Okay, great. Let's figure out a simple way. Let's make a twine game. You know, whatever. I can't program well, then I can do that. I'm a really great programmer, but I can't do, you know, I don't like to lay out maps and art. All right, I'm going to make a procedural game. I mean, those are two big extremes, you know. And obviously, it's a varied, you know, array of skills and talents within a team. But it's, but you really need to work to, I think it's the most effective if you work and to match everybody's skill. Because even like you said in the motivation episode, if everybody's, you know, everybody's CPU is at 100%. That's when everybody's going to be the most excited about a project. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if you're... Maximum st- throughput, yeah. Yeah. If your story writer's sitting there doing nothing, like, it's like, we're making a sequel to Testers. He's like, what am I doing? It's like, you're making an awesome intro to the game. You're like, uh-huh. that's... Tell the story of the blocks. <laughs> yeah. We need some motivation of the blocks. <laughs> yes. No, I just, just um, psychologically, you work better if uh, you're doing what you what you know and what you're good at. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, true. I, I've actually got a question here for to pose to the group. Uh, when, when speaking of, of scope and especially, I guess, more in particular about, you know, your content versus gameplay ratio that you're going to, you're, that you're considering, 
like where does like I guess the MVP of you know of your game where does that come into play when you're thinking about content versus gameplay because both you know they probably need to take into account the MVP like you could you know over overproduce on gameplay or overproduce on content um, so like how do you how do you balance that when you're thinking about scoping and trying to be strategic about scoping your project um I I mean just I guess off the cuff. I, a lot, a lot of it's working for other people. A lot of times, that's more decided for me than anything else. But usually, I you know try to give input. But I mean, it's it for me. It seems like you know that for the MVP, you've already kind of sort of set up your scope. You've defined the parameters of like you know say that say that content versus gameplay ratio. You see what you think you can get out there, and then once you think you've got that, the MVP is like what's the minimum. Uh, well, you know, the minimum viable product for that vision, for that ratio, you know, since we've got this throughput, how far can we, t- do we think we can take it to get something that's the essence of it? Yeah. And maybe it's just like, and maybe all that, that idea of what is the core of this idea? What is the core of these, of the narrative? Let's say it's a story-based game, like you said, and you, you're trying to battle with the content in that game. Maybe you apply those same ideas to that. Like, <clears throat> what is the, if what's the goal of the of the, of the narrative of that game? Like you have a set story in mind, and I want to tell this story because I know this this is kind of relative, and you can go into this is where it gets murky, and this is where consultants make so much money <laughs> consulting at game companies for productivity. But at some point, you need to say this is the story we want to tell, and are we adding? And of course, everything some things pivot, and you're going to add and take out stuff as you move along the process because it's pretty fluid sometimes, or content in general. But are we doing this? Because we, th- it's almost like the motivation for adding content. Are we doing this because we think we're trying to fluff it up, mm-hmm. right? Or does this really add to the experience in a way yeah. it's lacking or in a way that is fundamental to what our kind of mission of this game is? And that's what I think. Because sometimes you feel those games, they like add some more fetch quests in there and add some more. It's like, is that really doing anything though? Gotcha. So like, it's almost like, it's like a, a double layer of scoping. Like you first scope the project and then with each individual question, maybe you have to scope that as well and say, hey, like how much, how much do I need to devote or do I want to devote uh, maybe to meet my monetary goals or to meet my career or, you know, pro- portfolio goals or my innovation goals and scope it down as well in that Yeah, sense. because if you don't, yeah, like it's like the, if it's a contract project or if it's whatever project and we say, we want to do a four-hour game to meet these ideas, blah, blah, blah. And you, for some whatever reason, like, ah, but maybe, because a lot of this stuff comes from just insecurity. Feature creep comes from like, it doesn't always come from that. It comes from being excited about new things sometimes. <clears throat> and again, you can always reassess and pivot. I mean, pivoting is not a, such a necessarily bad word if it's done with the right goals in mind, right? But it just depends on where that's coming from. If it's coming from insecurity, it's like, well, but maybe for our game's not enough. Maybe we should add some more stuff. Or maybe it's like, no, chill. This will be fine. What we what we planned is fine. And let's, this is what, you know. So it really, it's almost like, sticking with it, your original design goals and not getting scared away from as you get nervous and get nervous at the end of the release process. Yeah, I, I feel like a game like, you know, Firewatch did that well, where it's like, you know, I, I can just see them like, you know, well, it's because, you know, you play that game and there's there were complaints that it was only like four hours or six hours, depending on how you played it. 
It's like, yeah, but I think they provided a good full experience in that time. It's like, yeah, that wasn't 40 hours. It's like, well, what would that have been at 40 hours? Like you said, you just make you wander around the woods for, you know, an extra 36 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That would have been stupid. It's like, no, they got what they wanted done. The story told in that time frame, and, you know, Stick to that. I think, I think that was probably pretty close to minimum viable for them. Is like maybe there's yeah. a few things they could have cut, but I mean that was it right there. That's what they wanted to show you. So yeah. so yeah, it really goes back to like just looking back at your like you said earlier, just the vision of your game, and and that's what you you should try to meet or or march towards, and really. Anything outside of that is the extra fluff, if you will. I yeah, guess. because if the if the core game, if the core idea of your game doesn't uh, work well, just adding all that, all those other features, it's just going to be noise. So at the end, you will know if your game is not funny because um, a new feature that you added, or because the core concept is is not well, not good enough. So just focus first. In, in the core concept, make sure it's okay, and then add um, uh, new features and new content, uh, characters, things like that. Yep. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think it comes from insecurity. I think it comes from getting nervous at the end of the project because you're so used to it or something. You're like, is this good enough? Is this fine? It's like, <laughs> yeah, but you've been looking at it forever. Like, and, you know, and, and again, there are situations where you get it to it and it's like, I don't think this is right. But again, you have to put it to the test of you set up a core you know, a question at the beginning, and then you say, are we answering that question? Are we solving that problem? And it's like, yeah, we're doing the best we can. Is adding that going to add any, like, a 100% difference or just, just a nominal thing? And, and could it be a waste of time? Like, yeah, it could be, so we don't need it. So yeah. I, it, it's not a, there's not a magic formula for that, honestly, but it's... No, but at that point, I think uh, soft releases help a lot. and um, Playtesting, stuff like yeah, that, too. Play yeah, testing and makes you confident because if other people play it, no, like release it on the app store and everybody can see it. No, but just pick a, a small group of people and if they like it or how they react, you will have a, an idea of how the general population of, of your players are going to react. Yeah. And another another thing that kind of is related to um, just in general, the, one of the questions you're asking while you're you know considering the scope of your game, it's not only just what... Uh, like what our team size can do and what the skills are available for that. But it's also, this kind of sounds, but if this kind of sounds weird, but if your idea is totally monetary, this might be more important, but what corner of the market is under, you know, underserved basically. Right. And, and that can be a fun, that's not just a monetary thing. That could be a fun exercise in art, you know, in an artistic prowess as a game designer. Cause you say where weird puzzle shooters aren't, you know, that type of genre hasn't been done before. And so you're looking at that just on a market basis, saying there's not one of those, and you're not necessarily inspired to make one, but just taking that approach and saying, okay, I have the, you know, we have the skills to make that. There's not a lot of those. How about we brainstorm and see what we could come up with? And you could come up with something magical, you know, with those limitations. So it can be kind of a fun exercise in thinking outside the box, even though you're, we wouldn't necessarily make a game like that. And it could help you monetarily, I think, at that point. So. Anyways, and so it's again like you, from that standpoint, being especially if you're a small indie game developer, indie team, when you're thinking of scope too, with that market in mind, you're also always trying to think of what unique thing can I bring to it? You know, what unique? Because uh, a scope for, I mean, 
I don't know. You can make a simple game, but it's not really going to matter unless you can actually do something that's interesting or I want to try a different kind of look of a game or a mechanic. And so I, again, you would, you need to effectively pick the one that matches what you can do and what you think would have the most potential to get attention. Cause that's really, that's all it's about. As, as we live in a world where the tools and the, 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 uh, the development practices are out there and tutorials are there and the debug log is here for you as a resource. <laughs> it's easy and easier to make a game, but what it's harder to do is get eyeballs on it. So that anything you can do to really promote your game and get it out there in certain ways is the best, I think. So I have another question that okay. I want to pose to the group, <laughs> uh, just to like facilitate Point of some order. discussion. Yeah, yeah, just to facilitate some discussion. Like when when you're mentioning, you know, the unique take on a genre, or you know, maybe targeting a specific piece of the market that hasn't really been targeted yet. Especially, uh, I'm going to reference like VR and AR stuff. That you know, this is this is like a prime time to really get out there and try to find something unique to do. So anyway, like knowing all of that, would you recommend, or you know, would that it would be in your opinion to recommend to new developers or indie developers to maybe just target, you know, maybe just do um, MVP for, for these types of games, for these new and, you know, fresh games, or would you say, you know, go like try to make it the best you can. Like if it's the first that's going to be in this genre or in this market or, you know, utilizing or, you know, exploiting this particular mechanic, you should, you know, do your best to make it really pop. Like well, I, I would say that uh, always you should do it. Uh, that you can, you should always do the best you, that you can. And the other thing is that if, even if uh, you see a hole in the market, if you're not passionate about it, don't do it, because you're gonna probably quit at the end, at the in the middle of the process. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. I would. What I was saying there too wasn't necessarily. You look at the whole market and you're not passionate about it. I say, just look at that whole market, spend a couple hours and brainstorm. Yeah, if you don't like any of the ideas, don't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you might be surprised what you can come up with in that hole in the market, though. But, yeah, speaking to your point, Abina, I think it just depends. I mean, really, I mean, we talk to developers of all sorts, you know. I mean, later on, I'll recommend MVPs to first-time developers because I think that can help finish projects and at least to a point then you can iterate on those. But... It just depends on what your grand vision again. I mean, cause that, I mean, really making the biggest game in a full on game that could depend on team size. That can depend on the time and money you have, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just, it's, it's just really relelative to asking yourself what are the questions you want to do. And if, I mean, if you got the team size, you got the budget and the question you want to ask is, is a 40 hour game in VR possible? Then hell yeah, make that game. Because that's what you, that's, that's your question. That's the, you know, the, the task you've set up before yourself, you know, just don't, yeah, in for- that case, maybe don't underscope it. Don't just get impatient and say, I, I don't know if, if you have the resource to do it, don't mm-hmm. say, we just made this demo and put it out. Cause that's the opposite end, right? You know, we talk about feature creep and maybe some people start a game, get kind of, I don't know, they, they could get lost in the process and like, we just want to put out this little demo of this thing just and and then they fall off this whole thing completely. So just stick with your original thing. So it just depends on team size. Yeah. And you may just be wanting to like sort of, again, explore mechanic and be, or maybe it's a land grab thing for you. You just want to be like, Oh yeah, I want to do this in VR first, or I've got this great idea. And if I can just get it out there in some form or fashion and like people latch onto it, then, you know, maybe I can polish it up later and, you know, people will know, Oh, Hey, remember that game? That was fun. Like they got like version two coming out. So 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's what I was thinking as well. Especially like with it being such an emerging market, it's like do like you said, land grabbing was like the perfect description of just being like the first out there to, you know, have a hold on that and just say, Hey, this is MVP. This was fun. And you know, like if you're if you're exploiting some fun factor or some piece of fun that hasn't been done before, then I think naturally, um, whether it's a forty hour game or not, people are gonna gravitate towards it. It's easier in that in that marketplace too, because that's again going into finding those holes, you know, that are yeah, interesting. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I would say I absolutely if there's a hole in a marketplace and the like the easier game and the more just kind of solid simple game is not filled up, go ahead and make those first. You know what I mean? Because that's like until there's eight thousand of those, and then you're like, well, hold on, we have to try harder now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Bit, like, yeah. <laughs> and that could go a lot of different ways for you, right? Because you got like. Uh, the the what was it like the, that uh, Nintendo Gaming College like the, the the group that made Nabarkiller Drop it's like you know that was just scoped for like a team project you know for school maybe in a semester I don't know how long it was for but you know they just like took that one fundamental concept of portals I mean they were they yeah. were what eventually became the game Portal and that worked well for them in a lot of ways I mean one I'm sure got them great marks at school you know then they got noticed by Valve you know then they could make version 2 of it and you know sell it uh I guess under Valve a lot of them went over there um yeah so it's like you know just having that small scope and like we're saying sort of an MVP of that it <laughs> accomplished a lot for them and not trying to blow it up into this fully featured thing worked you know yeah. Well, I want to go back to what Andrew said then um, about the starting with the holes that you see in the market. Uh, I mean, that's a really good idea, and uh, I really agree with that. However, if you're but. really yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> but I'm emphasize the but. But if um, you see another idea that has been implemented already, but you know. Like, no, you believe or you think, no, no, no. You know that you can do it better and you're really passionate about it. Go for it. Don't yeah, that's be afraid. Still a hole. That's still a because, hole. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's a game already. No, 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 no. So you have to be confident at that point and know because execution is really important. Like, just for example, take the uh, Apple Watch. They didn't, they didn't, uh, they weren't the first one. Like, Samsung had a, a watch before they did but now apple is controlling the market I with get, are um, they yes yeah eh. i think so yeah i don't know about the uh, uh, smart watches uh, now yeah smart yeah, watches I, I maybe it's a bad example but like yeah, I yeah but we thing. get your point google 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 sure, alta though. vista you know all that to google yeah we get you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool well, at least you get the point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other one of the last questions asked, and it's the, like the ideas for this is that ties into this is how much time do you have? And that sounds like a weird, big term, but and honestly, like especially if it's a you're starting out, you're a part time project. You know, be honest with the time you can commit to a project. You know, it's like, well, I, honestly, I can only put like an hour a night into this. So yeah, you need to make something simple, scope it out. Make it, get it done. Because again, you always, I think it's more important to get things done more than make some epic thing by yourself. But also with what you said, Obino, like with VR markets emerging, you're saying like, oh, you know, these things are there now. And maybe around Christmas time, these things will be bigger. That means I have eight months to put a little VR demo or VR, whatever I can make in VR together. That gives you a, a, a certain scope. Putting a deadline in a game, even just saying, I want to make a game in three months. What type of game can I make? Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
that's helpful sometimes to help finish, like especially like your first game, right? Because a lot of people start projects and like, yeah, I'm kind of tinkering around with like a shooter kind of RPG thing. And you're like, well, well just pick it when you want to be done with the game and be done with it. That means you're just making a simple Pong game. Sometimes that's, and maybe you don't release it and that's for your, you know, hobby learning and that's for your just portfolio and your coding portfolio. So that's fine. But it just depends on what you want out of it and when you want to get it finished. If you want to spend 10 years doing making your game, that's fine too, I guess. But I don't think you should. I think you just should. I'm all yeah. about shipping. Lisa Albina. Yeah. Lisa. <laughs> wow. He did it that time. I did not wow. do that. I didn't do that. Uh, I was just kidding. It's Chinese release, democracy. I'll release when you release, Eduardo. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, oh, yeah. Touche. Uh, okay. I, don't, I take that it's back. on the table. Yeah, <laughs> take that back. He's like, I'll put it out tomorrow. It's ready. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, Hangman MMO. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. He's getting that artwork just right. <laughs> Now, I'm just waiting for some art now that you talked about it, but it's functionality wise, it's, it's uh, done. Yeah, it's like, and I guess the thing, an important thing to note, especially on this time part, is just how every game can take as much time as you want. So, right. it's, that's why you really have to, I think, being strategic about scoping and really just up front, being up front before you get started, just writing down all these questions that we've asked and or we've uh, posed. And getting answers to them. And that will really help drive your sc- focus and your scope for your game. Uh, because you can literally take as, uh, you know, an exorbitant amount of time or forever to make a game. Because a new graphics card will come out and you'll want to yeah, increase the you graphics, readjust, you know? Yeah. Exactly. A new console comes out, you want to report to a different console. It's going to constantly be happening. So it's really, you really have to just scope your, scope your game, uh, and, and, and set a, set a time frame. Otherwise, you can go on forever and ever and ever. So yeah, don't be a Duke Nukem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which yeah. I which I loved too. <laughs> well, yeah, the original that that abomination from I didn't play that before one. time began. It, it was, it, yeah. Oh, and this goes into the art part of that. It's just running. I mean, you can always add something. It's never done. Like I, I said, because I, I I guess I still am a graphic designer, just not professionally all the time. But I guess for us, so that's fine. That's professionally, I guess. <laughs> but. The I the one of the best terms of like just graphic design I ever heard about. It's like it, it was, and I told you this before, being it's moving shit around until you run out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like moving shit around on the screen. Like yeah, I put that title there, put that font yeah. there. I was like, oh shit, I got to release this episode. All right, how that's, this that's guys? how the logo it's was. Fun. That was the yeah. best of our logo. Well, I work the best <laughs> in ten minutes too, so I actually work better that way. But you really do have to just say, I'm done. It has to be done. I'm moving on because you can always tweak it later. And also with games, you can do that too. We live in a new world where we don't live in a cartridge world anymore. You're expected to update games. So remember that too. That's actually maybe a good time. I didn't even have that in here. Yes. You know, you can always update it, always tweak it. It's better to get it out with that MVP. Speaking of MVP, let's go into best practices. <laughs> My first best practices, especially if you're a new developer, I don't, I'm not saying this is your experience. You want to start a team, you have this Kickstarter for $20 million. Not that. But if you're a new developer, and you really want to do a game, I would say scope out the MVP first, right? And, and we've said MVP a lot, but tell them what it is. Oh, a minimum viable product, right? Well, you know, Ryan he, said, he said it, Yeah, before, Ryan kind of mentioned it. Oh, okay, my bad. He's not listening You're to not you, paying Ryan. Attention, no, attention, I really wasn't. I, the, the beginning. I was letting you roll with it. At the beginning, I was sleeping. <laughs> and so the MVP in the world of where this guy, I don't know what the guy's name is. He wrote this book, and it took Silicon Valley by storm because he's like, MVP. And he would even do the point where you just make a nothing product and advertise it. And people responded, that's what you make and sell it. I was like, that's not what I'm talking about in this terms. 
it really MVP is what is the core, the tiniest bit of your game. It's with polish. It's weird. It also is relative, but it's with what is the core of your game that will work and solve the problems you're trying to solve. And it's more than just a prototype because if we talk about a prototype, we're just a series of tests for specific specific questions you have. Yeah, to answer your questions. Yeah, and that's what we said. Remember, that's our best practice for that. You need to be answering a question. Like you'd have eight different prototypes for the same game for different aspects of it. But this is the MVP. What is a level? What are the variations on that level? What are these, you know, these these main events in the in the game? What are the scripting things? Whatever it is, say it's four levels, we're gonna do that. And I think you can start with MVP because it's a very succinct thing. Because if you just say this is the MVP, I'm starting with it, I'm not gonna add features, I think that's a good discipline to follow. Cause then you can always iterate it. At least just finish that first. Don't pivot, don't do anything. If it's your first project. Don't say, oh, but what if I did? No, 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 no. Just do what you planned, and then you can go back to it and iterate, I think. But it's still a a prototype, right? No, it's not a prototype. I would call it like like a a vertical slice or a cherry on top. Yeah, a vertical slice with cherry on top. But it's a vertical slice of all the variations. So, like, say you had one level one and two are the same. Make it level one, level two and five. You know, whatever the variations and different types of things, different types of levels make them. And then... Say, okay, that's good. And maybe it's not a minimal viable product for your whole project, but just for the types of variation of your scope. And then you can say, okay, let's add a little bit more to that level. Let's add one and vary it to that, like, as as a way to develop a game. But just in the beginning, because once you have – I've always talked about this when we make we work on projects where it's like, okay, we have these three or four different game types in here, or different uh, maybe systems, right? And then you have this system and this system. I think it's always important, like this, you make an MVP of of examples of those systems working in a demo, right? Because once you have that, it's just adding content and adding, you know, mixing around and putting that here and putting this there. So that's basically what I'm talking about. So I have a question, Andrew. So this is not like the a prototype where you code really fast and... But you're not really going to use that code in your final. No, this product. is your final game. But what? You oh, know, okay. Yeah, it's like it's the, the beginning of your final game. It's yeah, like no the cookie code. Yeah, it's the core loop of your game. It's it's weird. We've mentioned MVP in like different terms today, but I, I think it's more of a it's it's like a supercharged prototype in a way because you're it, it has to be good code and it has to be a basis of what you're doing. But it's something that demonstrates it kind of like a vertical slice, like Obina said. But it's like a bunch of vertical slices of any type of variation you would have. And that might not be what you want to release. It might not be minimal viable, but it's minimal viable to establish scope because at that point, all you're adding is content. And I think maybe we're thinking just from a programmer centric point of view, you know, because like ah, the functionality is figured out. We just need to add levels. But I don't know. What do you guys think MVP means in this context? No, I think I think for the most part, you've hit it. Like you, you, you know, you want all those the the systems you've signed up for essentially like here's all the stuff I need to, you know, get this game done or that I want the user to experience, you know, hash out those systems and make them functional. And then, you know, you know, and like have examples of those systems working, whether it be like, you know, here's my core combat loop or here's my, like, you know, my, um, economy economic loop or you know you like have those things in place and then like seed those with you know some content and that could be you know your first pass at it and that you know that could even be something that's released uh, on the premise that there will be like you know or beta or something yeah early beta, access yeah, or yeah. like yeah early access or you know <coughs> and there'll be maybe some dlc or just more content put out later but you you do know for a fact that people will experience say like going into a game earning a little bit of cash coming out spending it on something reinvesting it into the economy getting a new 
you know, character or something like that, and they can experience what your game is in that first experience. And I think that's the key to it is you ex- they experience your vision at its core, you know, in that product right there. And then you, there may be more to it later, like the sprinkles, but, you know, they're getting your ideas up front. Yes. Well said. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. And again, this is a, this is a, a tactic for <laughs> establishing scope and then moving on. Right. And I guess it works for it kind of, it's weird because it works for really first time projects and then really big projects. Like you said, make an early access access thing and see if it gets, you know, attention and we get feedback and go through that. Or for if you're a first time developer, it's like, I don't know how to scope a project like that. Like I want to make an RPG and that's what I want to make. Well, just make the menu system, make the fighting system. You know, we watched a video that talks about that, but just make the menu based fighting system. And once you get that, that's your core loop. And then from there, iterate and that, and then you can, they can then it's easier to scope the rest of the project. I think. Yeah. Actually, if you make a fighting system, just um, tell me how to do it then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to do it too. <laughs> I'd actually, you know, stretch and say uh, I think we've kind of been saying it, it's like essentially for the new developer or for the beginner developer, but I would stretch and say it's it's applicable to every developer. I guess yeah, like, you're from, right. From every like we're every realizing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it should be everyone should really try to start with your or try to get out the MVP um, because I think what happens even when with people who have a lot of money, companies, studios, etc. Um, when they don't look at look towards the MVP, that's when they really start to overscope and really you know spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time doing a lot of extra stuff or miss deadlines, and it gets and it, it becomes stressful. There's like so many added you know stressors when you try to look outside of the MVP. Um, so I, I think I think looking at the MVP at least that, this is this is why you said that you put it it's in your best practices because that's that I think is the best practice for wherever you are whether you're indie you know a, a new developer or experienced veteran vet develop, developer is to look towards an MVP and try to get that out yeah I, I I like that tactic now this is a new method where's the debug log method that we're in, <laughs> doing here I I, think, I like the idea of because once you do that it's if you have an MVP it's easier to develop scope later on because if you're adding content and just gameplay or uh you know levels or something those are kind of finite things right it's like it takes this long to make a background takes this long to make these things we can actually try to at least get it within scope but we know how programming can work where you've run to a bug and it can take an hour it can take four weeks to figure it out you know if you don't know your system so very cool yeah. so once you have the the mvp what uh, do you guys think is the next step? For me, it's uh, ask developers or normal people, like anyone, just ask them to play your game to see uh, how you did. Yeah, and not just not just ask, like just also like in like um, normal people or playtesting. Also, even before you get into it, the way to actually help you analyze scope is actually to ask other people who played that game or made a game like that. You know, it's like, I really want to get into it. It's like, hey, Obin, I want to make an FPS or MMO thing. Like, what what kind of timeline am I looking at? And you're like, well. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Say your prayers. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, put your knees up and kiss your ass goodbye. That's all. But, like, I'd, it, it just depends on. But also, it's the same thing. It's like, you can, this can be engine-wise. Because, again, this goes into technology aesthetics, whatever it is. It could be, I want to use this kind of 3D method. Let me ask a 3D artist how much of a pain in the ass that was, and can I actually produce that for X many characters, X many environments, X many textures, and so on. Yeah. So talking to other 
communities and developers, and also like a, uh, like I'm a daughter said, like say it, you try my MVP, but if you do surveys and play tests, like how much, how many more levels would you want? How long would you play this game? If you only have an hour, it's like I'd play this forever. It's like, well, maybe I should figure out a way to make this game last forever. I don't know what it is, but. That also can help too, but I think kind of asking around before you start it as research, right? Look at postmortems online where they talk about the the uh, problems they had making it, or just also also in the playtesting phase. And once you start to put your game, like Ryan said, into early access, if that's the MVP, you'll get a lot of feedback at that point. Yeah, I think this is this is like one of the more important ones, like asking all the people and doing your research because re- research because without research. that, your research <laughs> <laughs> because without that, you really can't properly scope your project. You can't answer those questions right. if you're not asking, if you're not doing that research. So. That I mean, this Looking has to be plugins and stuff that you yeah, can exactly. Use, like you that. can't re- properly like say how much time do I need to do this? Because you, if you've never done it before, then you really have no nothing to you know no bearing. So it's it's impossible to really answer those questions. And if you can't a- answer those questions honestly and accurately, then and and you do try to answer it, then it kind of it makes your scoping a moot point. It, it's not really re- it's not really relevant if you have the incorrect answers to your questions. Essentially, yeah. So. This reminds me of a question that we answered in the prototyping episode. That was like, um, if you have like uh, points or um, achievements and uh, rewards for uh, advancing in your game, take those out and make sure that your game is still fun and they can uh, play it for uh, a long time. So it's basically this idea, guys. Just take everything out that is just. Um, like aesthetic or to make it better and just have that and uh, take it to people to play it. Yes. Do you guys have any other best practices that you've thought of as we talked about this? Hmm. Anybody? Anybody? Don't no, we've done a pretty good job. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll end with this last one because I found a great article on Yamasutra and it was about, it was using the uh, four key categories of art of game, you know, development that I mentioned earlier by the art of game design by Jesse shell that he mentions in that book. And whereas mechanics, story, aesthetics, technology. And I thought this was a fun, this guy read that book and he made up this interesting method of just assessing your game scope of various projects you have, or just games in general. And it's taking those four, uh, it's very simple. It's just take those four, uh, different categories and just assess, assess each of them for your project. So you say mechanics, how hard is this mechanics? And he has it like in a high, low scale or high, medium, low scale, but you could put a number value on this and make a, some kind of index. But you say, well, the mechanics are pretty easy. So it's like a one. The story is a lot. So that's a five, right? The aesthetics, two, maybe technology, four, because I need to do certain things. And then you get like a general index of your scope, I think. And that's what he was basically saying. Cause he does, he did it to a couple different games. You could see, okay, but that actually might be, it might be a fun little trick with your projects because. Those are the four, <laughs> outside of everything we said before this, if you have some projects that you know you want to work on and you've already assessed the reasons you want to work on, and again, inside of a certain project, you have to assess the problem you're solving. But before you even get to that, if you have a, a bunch of different individual ideas you're picking in between, this could be a general, you know, a helpful method to, you know, from a high altitude point of view, assess how much, how the the, the size of the scope of that project. So. Yes. Very clever. Very clever. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like it when there's that, a formula. Yeah. And now that you mention um, 
these four components of um, the art of game design, like mechanics, story, aesthetic, and techno uh, technology. Uh, it was funny for me because the logo of Fusion Game Studios that you made. Uh, it's like I don't don't mind saying so myself. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> uh, uh, inspired plug. in these four components. In these four oh, look and at the that. four keys to fun. Yeah. Shout out! I think you just Damn. did that to say you wanted a little shout out to Fusion Game Studios. Seriously, right he just come on. I just got four things my logo. Oh, yeah. That's my baby, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanics, story, aesthetics, and technology fused together into the vision that is Fusion Game Studios. All right, that's it for tonight. Uh, Obina, you want to tell them about our upcoming video show? We're going to keep teasing this until it comes out. We got to promote it. Of course, Hype of it. course. Yeah, so we've got that brand new uh, the Debug Lounge, which is a brand new YouTube series. Um, that we're going to be releasing and our anniversary, which is coming up soon in the coming months. Um, but yeah, we're, what we're doing is just having, uh, developers like you, listeners, TDLers, um, to come on the show and talk about their games, talk about the working on what they're, what they're passionate about. Um, whether they're a game designer, a programmer, an artist, a marketer, anybody and everyone, uh, that's into game dev, we want to hear from you and talk about your community, talk about your story. Um, um, and to get in that action, um, how do they get in that action, Andrew? <laughs> how do they get in that action, Eduardo? You tell me, Eduardo. <laughs> how do they get in that I'm action, I'm going to pass Ryan? it along to <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Why you do that? Just, just like, email Obina. <laughs> there, there's, there's more to that's it. what you get for passing the buck <laughs> i guess that's what i get anyway to get in on the action you uh, can join, take it back up cycle yeah, you can join our debug lounge this is actually our facebook group uh which is our cool swanky um elite group which andrew always says um where you could just uh you know we chat with other developers like you uh ask questions just chat about the game dev industry etc and you can join the group by either looking up looking up the group online on facebook the debug lounge or going to our website at the debuglog.com and joining our newsletter uh which eduardo will be sending out an invite to our facebook group um and he also sends our monthly loop which he just sent one out I think last week, last weekend, yeah. which is really good, filled with some good content. So definitely join the lounge, join the Debug Lounge, our Facebook group, and get in on the action for the Debug Lounge YouTube series. Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely go. done. I think it was a good Thank, Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I knew you could do it better. I knew you could do it. I'll just drop the I'm, ball and I'm, wait for you to pick it up. I'm helping you learn and grow. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that was good. I, I hope this helped people with the scope of their projects. And I think if you're the first time a uh, game developer, it actually, this really does help. I mean, veterans, of course, we have some tips in there too, but guys, you got to finish your game. I know that's a problem <laughs> when you start a game. So make sure you scope it and finish it. So, anyways, until next time, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C U R R I E. And I am at O Beans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. I'm at R.E. Kilgore, K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E. And I'm at Eduardo CF1989. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. See you guys.